Would you turn your Bible to two passages of Scripture this morning? Deuteronomy 32, verses 1 through 4, and then 1 Peter 3, 15. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 1 through 4, and then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. <clears throat> the handbell choir will practice at 4 o'clock today. Please keep that in mind. Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 4, 1 Peter 3, 15. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for all that we've experienced today, the testimonies, the songs, the privilege of getting the gospel out by radio. We thank you for this radio station that has carried this morning hour all of these years and for the faithfulness of God's people in providing tithes and offerings to support the outreach of the gospel. We pray that thou wouldst lead us to expand this ministry, even into other cities. May the day come when we will be back on television. We pray for the ministry of the work of God, and especially this hour right now, that some dear precious one who is without Jesus would come to know the hope in Christ. Ask it in his name. Amen. <clears throat> All over America this spring, we have had revival meetings called, Here's Hope, Jesus Cares. And as we think of that, I want us to think of these verses of Scripture from Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 4, and 1 Peter 3, 15. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I will publish the name of the Lord. Here's hope. Jesus cares for you. The reason I will publish the name of the Lord, Moses said in Deuteronomy, is because he is our rock. His work is perfect. His ways are just. He is a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. And then Peter came along and said, Always, every believer, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Now the doctrine of the hope is a doctrine that runs all the way through Scripture. I want to give you just a few beautiful flowers from that garden of hope in the Bible. In Hosea 2.15, he speaks of a door of hope. In Zechariah 9.12, he speaks of ye prisoners of hope, and the context 
is suggesting that people have gone through a tough time, a difficult time, time of sorrow, time of hurt, time of injustice, time of oppression, time of persecution, and yet locked in the heart of that person who's gone through all of that is hope. And he says, you're just prisoners of hope. In other words, hope is so real in you that no matter what they do on the outside, that hope springs forth day by day. And that's the way it is in a life of a believer. And that's the reason we publish the name of the Lord. Because no matter what kind of circumstances you go through, the hope in Christ is real. In Acts 28, 20, for the hope of Israel am I bound, Paul said that. In Romans 4, 18, who against hope believed in hope. In other words, when everything else was falling apart, when it seemed like there was no hope, they just kept on hoping. In Romans 8, 24, we are saved by hope. In Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Reminding us that there is a resurrection. That as good as God is here, and as aware we are as his, of his presence here, there's something more to come. In Colossians 1:27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, we sorrow when our loved ones go away. We sorrow, but we do not sorrow as those who have no hope, for we have hope. In Hebrews 6.18, lay hold of the hope set before us. In Hebrews 6.19, hope as an anchor of the soul. In 1 Peter 1.3, Begotten, we are begotten to a living hope. Now as we think about that, here's hope. Jesus cares for you. The word hope, as used in the scripture, is not like the common vernacular that we use for hope. For example, I say, I hope to go in town tomorrow, or I hope I'll get a hundred dollars, or I hope I'll get a million dollars. Somebody on the radio used to say, I hope it'll be a good day. I hope, 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 hope. What they mean by that, I, I wish this or I wish that. It would really be nice if this thing would happen. That's not what the scripture means by hope. Hope in the Bible is a noun. It isn't even a verb, it's a noun. And it refers to that body of confidence or body of belief that is in the bosom or the heart of a believer that says no matter what the circumstances on the outside I have a hope within me a hope that is steadfast and sure a hope that is as real or more real than life itself and that's the reason we publish the name of the Lord that's the reason for revival meetings to get the gospel out to call the people together to hear the message of God to sing his praises and to invite unsaved and unaffiliated and inactive folks to just come and get in on the hope of believers. You see, <coughs> something happens when God's people meet together. There's an accumulated faith 
that just rises and rises and rises and those who are surrounded by that faith they also have contagious faith and that hope begins to dawn in their own hearts all across America this year Bible believing churches have had series of meetings sometimes called revivals, sometimes called evangelistic crusades and so on, preaching missions and the reason is to spread that hope to say to people who are hopeless Christ in Christ there is hope now you may be walking through a dark time today you may have to reach up to touch bottom you may have had sorrow upon sorrow come into your life maybe your best friends have deserted you there may be someone listening today who loved his wife and his wife has just turned against him and has left him. Some wife that loved her husband and her husband has just left, just, just turned that aside and left her. And you may feel alone and defeated and discouraged. There may be someone listening today who's had great financial difficulty. There may be someone in the auditorium or by radio who has gone through such a dark valley of sorrow loved ones dear to you are gone I think of that old song there are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms we often miss when we close our earthly story will we join them in their bliss one by one their seats were emptied one by one they went away now the circle has been broken will it be complete one day you can picture happy gatherings round the fireside long ago you think of tearful partings when they left you here below will the circle be unbroken by and by in the sky well there's a blessed hope in the heart of a believer that says yes there's going to be a reunion when all the troubles are over now I want to give you just four reasons for my hope Peter said always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you here they are number four what, what four of them I hope you'll just write them down in your heart number one because Jesus gives significance to our lives Jesus gives significance to our lives there's hope a lot of people are groping around in darkness and they say what's the use nobody cares nobody understands try as hard as I might I just end up a failure the things that I want to do I don't ever get done the goals that I set never get accomplished and they feel insignificant you'd be amazed at surveys that reveal what low images people have of themselves if we should take a survey in this very auditorium this morning and ask the correct questions we could come up with some surprising results of people who have a low image of themselves now I want to tell you Jesus Christ gives significance to your life Jesus left the glory he came to the earth lived among men touched blind eyes and caused them to see interrupted funeral processions and raised dead people to life touched limbs that were lame and caused them to walk again and then they led him to the cross and he who knew no sin became sin for us 
He took our sins in his own body and he died for us. Why? Because you're very important to him. You're very important to him. I'm very important to him. And if there had been nobody else, Jesus would have died for you. That's how important you are. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ gives significance to our lives. There is no accident. That's the reason I don't believe in abortion. That's one of the reasons. In addition to being murder, abortion says, God, you don't know what you're doing. You've given life, and you don't have any idea what's going on down here, so I'm just going to take that life and kill it. Some of the greatest people who have ever walked the earth have come from unwanted pregnancies. Some of the greatest people that have ever walked the earth have come in spite of somebody saying you ought to have an abortion and get rid of that kid. You see, Jesus gives significance to your life. I believe the Bible teaches thou shalt not concerning sexual relations before marriage. But listen, if there's someone listening to my voice this morning who has gotten in trouble and you passed beyond what God said to do and some precious girl finds herself with child, you don't have to go out and take matters in your own hand and kill that child. God, turn it over to God. God can work all things together for good. And the Lord will give significance. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives significance to everyone. If you'll put your faith in Jesus. Secondly, He gives security to our lives. Our world is dying for lack of security. The baseball games are filled, the football games are filled, the theaters are filled, all the places of entertainment like uh, Opryland and Six Flags and all those places are filled with people, some of them wanting entertainment, but many of them just wanting to use up their time. They don't want to think about things. And they just go from thing to thing to thing. They become promiscuous joiners to join something and join this and join that in order so they won't feel lonely in their lives and they won't have to face their own insecurity. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ gives security. Not only does he give significance, he says, uh, take your heavy load and put it on me. I'll carry the weight of your part of it. I'll be with you. I'll take care of your sickness. I'll take care of your sorrow. I'll take care of you in your guilt. I'll even take care of your sins. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then he says, I and my father are one. My father is greater than all. And no man can pluck you out of my father's hand. You see, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he places you in the hand of God and God closes his hand on you. The Holy Spirit seals you unto the day of redemption and he gives you security. The security of the believer is not a Baptist doctrine, it's a Bible doctrine. It's what the Bible teaches. 
It says when you give your heart to Jesus Christ in earnest and you're born of the Spirit of God and God's Holy Spirit comes to live in you, He seals you unto the day of redemption. Now inside my hand, that watch may go slow because it's valuable to me. I'll try to get somebody to fix it so it can go right. That watch may go fast. I'll get somebody to fix it, slow it down a little bit. That might watch may just quit, and it has quit. When I take it to the fix-it shop, I say, I want this fixed. I may shake it a little bit. I may get it fixed, but I'm not going to throw it away. Neither does Jesus throw you away when you mess up. I believe in holiness. I believe the Bible teaches that we have standards by which we're to live. We don't break God's law, we get broken on it. But even when we go awry and we mess up, there is security in Christ. That's the reason I can without any shame, without any apology, hold up Christ to you and say we ought to have spiritual awakenings, we ought to have a evangelistic crusade, we ought to have meetings when the church doors open every night and the gospel of Christ is declared from the pulpit and we go out soul winning to say to people, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Thirdly, the reason for the hope within us, he gives strength in the time of our weakness. Strength in the time of our weakness. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. The Lord can give you strength. I've heard some people say, well, I don't want to come to Christ because I'm afraid I can't hold out. That's true, you can't. He doesn't even ask you to hold out. He says, I'll do the holding. I'll take care of you. You go downtown on a busy street, you say to your little boy, hold on to daddy, hold on to mama. And you may mean that, but you know what's bound up in that child. And so what do you do? You hold on to him. He may think he's holding on to you, but you're really holding on to him because you're not going to let him dash out in front of some car and get killed. Neither is God. God will hold on to you. He does the holding. He gives the strength. And last of all, the reason for our hope is because of our salvation. The word salvation means deliverance. Jesus has delivered us from this present world of darkness and delivers us into the glorious kingdom of his Son. We're saved by hope. We're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. And if you're here today or you listen by radio and you have never been saved, the reason for the hope that is within us, salvation. You see, Jesus comes in, he forgives, he saves, he cleanses, and then he says, I'll take care of you. You're going through some tough times, I'll be with you. You're lonely, I'll be with you. You feel guilty, cast that thing on me, I'll take care of it. You're coming down to death's door, I'll be there with you. A few weeks ago, before I went to Florida in a revival meeting, I went by to see Ann Kemmel. There was nobody there. Had a wonderful little talk with Ann. 
And she once again shared with me the assurance in her heart that Jesus was her Savior, that she had cast upon the Lord all of the things of her life. And she said with a sweet smile, I'm ready. I wish I could be here longer, but I'm ready. The other day she went across the line. She's now with the Lord. Same thing's going to happen to every one of us. She had 49 years. You may only have 20, 15. You may live to be 80. Dear Jim Evans went to be with the Lord early this morning. He was sitting right over here about five years ago. He was 82. I suppose he must have been 76 or 8. He walked down that aisle. He said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. In these last few days at the hospital, I've stood with him. and I said, Jim, are you trusting Jesus? He always shake his head with a smile. Yes, Jesus is my Savior. Because our hope is in Christ, because of his salvation, I just want to tell you, here's hope. Things are not hopeless. You may feel like you've reached the end of the way. You may feel like you've just come to the end and you don't know what to do. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your hope in Christ. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you that our hope is in Christ, the solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand, but in Christ there is forgiveness and cleansing and pardon and purpose and peace and power and provision and a wonderful heaven beyond all that. We pray that just now somebody here in this room or by radio would open his heart to Jesus. In Christ's precious name, amen. May we stand, please. Come every soul by sin oppressed. Number 312. Page 312 in your books, please. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Find that hymn and then let's look this way a moment. There's some in this room who have never really put your trust in Jesus. I want to ask you to do that today. Just come here and say, by the grace of God, I want to go on record as putting my faith in Christ, the solid rock. I don't want to go on without him. I want to be saved. Now that's not some mysterious thing. It's a matter of a commitment to repent of sin, to turn away from sin, to, to have in your life a room for Christ, making room for him and inviting him to come in <clears throat> and be real to you. Will you do that? There are others who have already been saved but have not made it public. You need to come today. There are some who need a church home. You need to walk down this aisle this morning and say, by the grace of God, I want to commit my life to serve God through this church. Will you do it? While we begin to sing, come every soul, God bless you as you do it.